So Brother DeGarmo is claiming that he's TDY again. You want my personal opinion? I think he's church hopping out there. And uh, that does count for something. And they just bought a house, so I think we're safe. Um, But anyway, they're stuck with us. Amen. Yes, sir. In all seriousness, if you would pray for him, pray for his family while he's away. I'll be teaching the class for the next four weeks, maybe six, because he'll get back for one week and then take off again for another week to go visit family in Washington or Washington. And then if, uh, if we're in a flow of things here, I'll just keep it going. But uh, anyway, so maybe six weeks, four or six weeks, depending on how long it takes to get through chapter two of Haggai. Um, you can go ahead and start finding that book. For some, it'll, the binding of your Bible will crack, and <laughs> that's what the index is for. Praise God, brother. Um, in my Bible, it's page 1092. Haggai chapter 2. 1024 in yours, brother? You and Brother Furs got the same Bible, huh? Well, it looks like I got the highest number so far, which means I have the best eyes. Wait, does that make sense? No, it'd be the other way around. Oh, no, wait. This is not going to work in my favor, no matter how I try to spin this. Um, But Haggai chapter 2, thank you, Suge. So while Brother DeGarmo was away at Senior NCO Academy, we uh, went through chapter 1. And since it's been a couple weeks, we're just going to do a quick recap before we pick up where we left off. Remember that the house of Judah had been taken captive by the Babylonians for 70 years, and their captivity ended when the Persians came in and overthrew the Babylonians. And Cyrus, being the king of Persia, he issued a decree at that time for the house of Judah to be released from captivity and to be allowed to return to Jerusalem to restore the city, um, and to rebuild the temple. Things got off to a good start, but like most times when we are doing God's work and things are starting to move along, attacks begin to come. And the attacks came, the attacks came to them and in the form of political pressure from the enemy. They write back to Persia and they say they should not be doing this. They've caused nothing but problems in the past when they were taking over the land back then. And so they're forced to stop the work under Artaxerxes. But the, the problem was when everything came to a halt on building the house of God, um, the sad part is they never resisted back. They never pushed back politically. They never wrote a letter back to Persia saying, look, Cyrus issued a decree that we could do this. And, and it was like they were all too happy just to stop working. And uh, as a result, the temple was left unfinished for a period of some years. And they supposed that resistance meant it was not the will of God. And we got to be careful with that because resistance always will come our way. It does not mean it's not the will of God. And so um, anyway, while the temple was lying in ruins, the, the people went to work beautifying their own homes. That became their priority. And they were using resources which should have been used in the building of the house of God for their own houses. The Bible calls them sealed houses. They were um, adorning them with um, 
lot of money involved in that. And so it wasn't just a, a home, but it was a lavish house. And so they had no concern for the house of God. We saw how they were sowing much, but they were bringing in little. That they were thirsty, but their thirst was never quenched. They were uh, wearing clothes, but never warm. They were making money, but they were putting it into bags that had holes in them, is the illustration used. And, and so God sends them the prophet Haggai. And uh, he asked, um, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. And so God sends Haggai in there to get them back to work on what they should have been doing from the very beginning, and uh, that was rebuilding the house of God. And, and Haggai explains the reasons for their, uh, their lack of harvest, the reason why they were sowing so much but bringing in so little, was because they had neglected the house of God. And anytime we neglect God's work, it's going to cause a reduction in the return of our labors. And so we have to be mindful of that. I'm not going to re-preach all that, but it'd be real easy to. But he tells them what you need to do is you need to get back up, go up to the mountain, get some wood, and get back to work on the house of God. And he says this, if you'll do that, then God will be pleased and God will be glorified in that. And so God is pleased when we're doing his work, when that's our priority in life. Anyway, we followed this in Ezra, and we saw that Haggai initiated what they should have done at the outset of, of the attacks because he now has them send letters back to Persia informing them that, uh, hey, Cyrus issued a decree. And so Darius, who had then taken over by that time, he has search made of the historical roles. And sure enough, Cyrus issued a decree for them to be able to do that. And so the work begins to resume again on the house of God, and they begin to build. As we start chapter 2, let's quickly get the timeline here because I, I find this interesting, but it's not a big deal. Chapter 1 begins by telling us Haggai showed up in the second year of Darius the king on the first day of the sixth month. Chapter 1 ends by telling us the people were stirred back to work on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of the reign of Darius. And then chapter 2 begins with on the 21st day of the seventh month. So if I'm reading all that correctly and trying to do public math and all that, if I'm getting all that right, then it, it sounds like it took 24 days for the message to resonate throughout the camp in Judea. They're the children of Judah. Uh, and then it took just under one month for the people to get back to work. That's less than two months from a time where there was years of a lack of work and effort and doing what God had called them to do, it was less than two months until they're back up doing what they were supposed to be doing all along. And, and I can't help but think, uh, how quickly could we start seeing results if everybody just got on board? Amen. And so it just, just an interesting thought there for me. But uh, the, the quicker we get on board, the more stuff gets done. Now, let's begin by reading chapter 2, verses 1 through 5 as we begin today. In the seventh month, in the one and twentieth day of the month, came the word of the Lord by the prophet Haggai, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and to the residue of the people, saying, 
Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord, and be strong, O Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest, and be strong, all ye people of the land. Thus saith the Lord, and work, for I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts. The question is asked in verse 3, Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? There were those in Judah that were taken captive at a young enough age that they lived through the 70-year captivity. We know from the book of Daniel... Daniel was one of those who was taken captive at an early age and yet lived all the way at least until the issue of the decree given by Cyrus. And uh, so there were those who had lived long enough to, to see that uh, captivity run its course. And you may recall when we were in Ezra, kind of following along the introduction here of Haggai, that once the foundation of the temple was laid, the people shouted for joy, they praised the Lord, and revival was kind of breaking out. But the Bible makes special note of this in Ezra 3.12. It says, But many of the priests and Levites and chief of the fathers, who were ancient men. <laughs> How many like that as their title, amen? Ancient men that had seen the first house when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes wept with a loud voice, and many shouted aloud for joy. The, the, the ancient men, the, the, the older generation, they, they remembered what the temple was and all of its glory. And, and they see this here, and, and, and as they're watching this temple being built, they're, they're, they're crying. And I believe they're crying because they're finally back in the land. Uh, they're seeing their temple rebuilt, but there's more that we'll look at later on that. And so uh, th these ancient men, those who had li lived long enough uh, that they're called ancient, <laughs> Amen. Um, they remembered the days before the Chaldeans burnt their temple to the ground. They remembered the Levites functioning as priests. They remembered the people bringing their offerings to the temple. And they remembered the high priest making atonement for the people. All of this was on hold in Chaldea. And they remembered the former days. Haggai asked, who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And, and I see here in our text today the need for senior saints. Senior saints. This is a subject very near and dear to my heart, and uh, I just want to try to encourage you this morning as senior saints. We need some ancient men and women who remember how it used to be. Seniors are the ones who have the stories of their parents and their grandparents. Amen. Just, just say amen. Let's get on board because uh, I like it when people talk to me. And so they, they have those stories, they have those accounts of yesteryear, and, and it can vary from generation to generation, but um, having stories 
that we need to hear. And I can tell you that in the generation in which we live today, our generation and those coming up need to hear about what you guys went through back there. Those who saw the gracious moves of God through the 50s and 70s. We need those who can tell us what took place. We need those who can caution when things are getting off track. Somewhere along the line, many churches have bought into this idea that we don't want too many senior saints. And I don't understand that. I take a church full of them. Somehow we've gotten the idea that if you're a senior saint, uh, or if a church, let me rephrase it, if a church has a lot of senior saints, then they're a dying church. But that's not true. Having seniors in a church shows that there are those who have stayed with it, who have stayed the course, who through all the ups and downs over the last 60, 70 80 years and, and yet still here, still faithful to the house of God. Having seniors hopefully means having seasoned saints who can offer wise counsel to the next generation. I always think of Rehoboam. Solomon dies, the Rehoboam takes over the kingdom. Anyway, and he goes to the old men and he asks for counsel and he says, uh, and they say, look, you need to reduce the taxes. But the young men said, man, your pinky finger, or or how did he word that? Anyway, it's going to be worse. Did not take the advice of the elders. And so hopefully it means that we have those who can give counsel. Having age is not a guarantee of spiritual wisdom, however. Because we've seen too much half-hearted Christianity in America... And, and the truth is, there's a lot of seniors in church who are in church simply because that was the culture in which they grew up in. And that's what you do on Sundays. Job 32.9 says, great men are not always wise. Neither do the aged understand judgment. So I'm talking about some people. Now, I'll take, I'll take brand new seniors, amen. But I'm talking about people that have been in it all these years. Now, I would say ideally a church should not want to be too heavy in any one area. I think, ideally, you'd want a good balance. Um, I, I personally believe a healthy church would see three to four generations of people. Right? You with me? And, and that we're seeing our grandkids come up in the church and, and that kind of thing. And so I think that's healthy. And when that happens, listen now, we need our seniors to communicate to the church. And unfortunately... Many senior saints have gotten into this rut because their strength is not what it used to be and they figure that they have nothing left to offer. But I want to tell you that you still have purpose in this church. God still has a work for you to do or else you wouldn't be here. Job 32.7 says, Days should speak and multitude of years should teach wisdom. Psalm 37, 25 says, I have been young and now am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Psalm 71, 9 says, cast me not off in the time of old age, 
Forsake me not when my strength faileth. Psalm 71, 17 and 18. O God, Thou hast taught me from my youth, and hitherto have I declared Thy wondrous works. Now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not, until I have showed Thy strength unto this generation and Thy power to everyone that is to come. Psalm 78, verses 2 through 7. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He hath done. For He hath established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded our our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. Psalm 92, verses 13 through 15. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in Him. Psalm 145, verses 4 and 5. One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty and of thy wondrous works. Isaiah 46, 4 says, And even to your old age I am he. Even to whore hairs will I carry you. I have made and I will bear, even I will carry and will deliver you. Are you a senior saint today? I want to tell you God has not cast you off. God has not forsaken you. God will carry you. He will bear you. He will deliver you. God still has a work for you to do. And you may wonder, what can I do now? Well, according to these passages I just read, you should teach wisdom. You can tell us of God's provision. You can show us God's strength to the generations after you. You can tell us what your parents told you. You can show the praises of the Lord, His wonderful works to the next generation. You can show us to set our hope in God and not forget His works and His commandments. You can show us that the Lord is upright and that He is our rock and there is no unrighteousness in Him. You can tell us of God's glory, His honor, and His majesty. And I would tell you this morning, seniors, this is not your time to take your ease in Zion. You can rest when you're in the grave. Say amen. But God has a work for you to do. He still has a purpose for you. Your work's not done until you're called home. But I can't do what I used to do. Well, that may be true. But does your mouth still work? Can you still pray? Then counsel and pray. I've said it before, I'm going to keep saying it. Of the revivals I've studied, they all had one common denominator, and that was this. There were some seniors who got under a burden to pray that God would show himself real to the next generation. They humbled themselves before God and they cried out for his glory. When's the last time you begged God for revival? Don't check out. Don't say, thank God I'm at the end. 
When's the last time you begged God for a revival? When's the last time you spent more time in prayer than you did sitting in front of the TV? I know some people, man, they can watch Fox News for about 10 hours a day. When's the last time you spent more time in prayer than you did listening to some kind of music? When's the last time you spent more time in prayer than you did piddling around the yard or the house? When's the last time... I'm going to start meddling now, so... When's the last time you went out of your way to get to know some of our young people? I understand many are on a very tight budget. You may not have the resources to take somebody out to eat or have them over. But you can write them cards. You can write them letters. You can encourage them. You can walk up to them at church and introduce yourself and say how glad you are that they're there. Even if you don't remember who they are next week. God's blessing us with an influx of young people. But we need you guys to let them know you can do it. You can make it. For those who have the resources, invite them over for a meal. Take them out to eat sometime. Just sit across from them and tell them how good God has been. How they can succeed that they can be blessed, that they can be prosperous if they will just meditate in the Word of God. That they need to walk with God. You see, the problem isn't that God is done with you, but it's that you're done with God. You've turned in your resignation letter, or at least that's what your actions say. Some, they're like Elijah and say, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life. I might as well say this while I'm here, amen. Some people make it seem like it's the worst thing in the world to have age. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think that's our seniors here. Uh, Most 70s and 80s, I can't, I don't even know when they're in the hospital. I, I mean, I might go up to somebody and say, how you doing? I'm doing fine. I just had quadruple bypass heart surgery four hours ago. Oh, wow. Man, you're doing well. Somebody might get a hip replaced and then be out there pushing a lawnmower. Uh, They don't tell you. I mean, they just keep pressing. But I tell you what, we got some 40 and 50-year-olds up in this church. You go up to them, how you doing? (laughs) Amen. Man, listen, our 70 and 80-year-olds... I'm telling you what, they can be diagnosed with dementia. They can have a death of a loved one. They can have a shut-in. They can be fighting cancer. They can be having surgeries. And, oh, everything's fine. But you, but you go up to some of these 40 and 50-year-olds, how's it going? And it's like life is the worst thing. That, what do you think that says to a young person? Well, I can't wait to grow old so I can be miserable like everybody else. Hey, Dad, I can't wait till I'm 50s and 60s, and then I can hate life too and never smile again. Now, you know who I'm talking about. You know, it's, it's not the eye roll. It's like, the, it's like you're flinging them from this side to that side. Just enjoy life. Oh, mercy. I shouldn't have went there. Yeah, we can take that out. We can take that out. 
How about communicating the words of the song, I have been blessed? Each day that I live, he gives me more than I need. And I could never describe his goodness to me. If you ask how I make it day after day, there's only one thing I can say. It's been a long journey, but I have been blessed. Walking with Jesus, I have no regrets. He is so good to me, and I must confess, the way has been long, but I'm blessed. All that I need, I find at his feet. When I'm hungry, he feeds me with manna so sweet. When my soul is weary, he sends peace and rest, and all I can say is I'm blessed. Now I've had my share of sunshine and rain, days filled with laughter and nights filled with pain. But with every mile as I travel this way, the journey gets sweeter each day. I'm blessed so much more than I ever deserve. I'm blessed he's been faithful and true to his word. I'm blessed I've been cleansed by the hand of the Lord. I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. It's been a long journey, but I have been blessed. Walking with Jesus, I have no regrets. He is so good to me, and I must confess the way has been long, but I'm blessed. What if those who just think life is so miserable would communicate something like that to the next generation? I've got more than I ever deserved. Man, I don't know how you feel about it, but it's enough for me that I'm not going to hell. Whoop! We need to encourage the younger folks, stay with it. Stay with the stuff. It might help them to stay in church and in the Word of God. You see, I found that encouragement goes a lot further than just browbeating people. Hey, man, I I know it's tough. Don't get me wrong. I want to go up to him and say, suck it up, buttercup. But, you know, hey, I know it's tough. It's going to be okay. Just encourage folks. I think with just about every one of our seniors in here, I can go row by row, and I can talk about some of the hardships y'all are facing, and yet you're here. And and I'm not talking about, you know, I'm talking serious stuff. I'm talking about stuff that would knock out the younger folks, and that's why God's waited to put it on you now. Because you had to learn to walk with God all those years. And the trials always get more and more difficult, don't they? As God builds our faith and our trust in Him. And And I'm saying it's big stuff, and yet you're still faithful. Why? Because I believe, like the Apostle Paul, they have determined that none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. That's found in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. And it's very encouraging to me personally to see our old-timers just staying with it. Just staying with it through the death of a loved one, through the diagnosis of the mind, through husbands being shut in, through the surgeries, through the battles with cancers, through the struggles as being a care provider for somebody else. But they're here in our church, and they're still serving God. And man, you can't get a young person to hardly serve God today. I thank God for you. I would love a church full of senior saints who love God and will allow God to use you with every bit of life you have left.
those who will cry out to God daily. Men and women who are true prayer warriors and will get a hold of God and that they will pray through. Because of the direction many churches have taken, I believe there's a hungry population of senior saints right here in Rapid City. I was watching a church service a couple months ago, I reckon, from a church back south. And uh, they've kicked out the hymns. They've gotten rid of the choir and, and pretty much just put on a concert or something like that. And you could see the crowd and all the Q-tips, all the gray hairs. They're just standing there glassy-eyed. It was doing absolutely nothing. You understand what I'm trying to say right now? There was no move of God upon it. There was no uh, enjoyment of it. And and just to be frank with you, the whole congregation was really just kind of like watching some dude strum his guitar. And and, and I'm just saying that I believe that when we we take that route as a church, which obviously we're not going to do, but when, when we throw out corporate singing and we get rid of that all together, um, there's no response from the congregation whatsoever. And, and I'd rather have half-hearted congregational singing than none. Because half of you will sing half-hearted this morning, amen? Count your blessings one by one. <laughs> How exciting to be blessed, amen? Oh, man. Anyway, it was evident it was doing nothing for them. And, and I believe that there are churches out there who have just cast off our senior saints and said, like it or lump it, we're going to put on this concert whether you get anything out of, out of it or not. And I believe that there's a pocket of people out there that they're hungry for exactly what we offer. I thank God for our owls. For those who don't know, it's the older, wiser, laughing saints. I've long felt that we need a special class just for the owls. Let me give you my concerns. Most of you here are faithful to this class. But where are those who need to be in that class? If there's no faithfulness to this class, how can we expect faithfulness to that class? If there's no faithfulness now, but there would be then... There's the danger of any kind of a seniors class turning into a nice little social club where we get together and drink coffee on Sunday morning and share stories from yesteryear. If some don't want to be here now, but they'll get excited about their own group, then where's their heart at now for our Sunday school program? Let me put it to you this way. If it's not important to you now, but it will be then, what's making it important then? It won't be this church. It'll be the fact that you've got some little group to fellowship with. And you might be thinking, well, what about the young adults? When Mike Chavez approached me, whenever it was about serving in our church, I said, brother, we we really need a young adults class. We didn't have one. And at the time, there was really only one faithful member that fit that requirement. And that was Madison Russ at the time. Now she's Madison Wideman. And I said, brother, we, we are losing our 20s. We're losing them. And I said, I really want you to get that started. And, and, and I want you to understand, Brother Chavez took something that wasn't there at all and built the class. And it was really built on, is it he or him and his wife's hospitality? Their hospitality. Thank you, Suge. 
Um, and um, he built something from nothing. He led that class and he shepherded that class. And this is why we need a man who will lead the owls group. One who is a peer, one who will teach the word of God, will encourage our senior saints to be mighty in prayer. Those who will get together and lift up our church in prayer. Amen. We'll lift up the next generation in prayer. We'll lift up the pastor in prayer. And I want one who will minister and lead, not just one who will facilitate. One who will take a group of seniors and lead them as a group to serve in ways in which they are able. I want an Owls group so bad, I've been wanting it for at least two years. I've approached one or two about it, and it just hasn't worked out. There's a momentum now to start it, and I'm just saying, if we're going to start this thing, let's do it right. Let's do it right. I personally believe, and I believe this with all my heart, I believe we could be running 50 seniors in a Sunday school class, no problem. Listen, there's a hungry generation out there. I'm telling you, there's a need. There's a need in the community. We need a man called to do it. I don't know if that man's in here, but I'm just throwing it out. That's why I wanted to gather our seniors this morning and tell you my heart. I want the class. I don't want to rush into anything. I want to proceed in such a way that we are encouraging longevity and not just a flash in the pan where it fails. I hope all that made sense because I want you to understand my heart. We, we need to do it. It's a need. It's a need. Um, we just need to do it right. Now, back to our text where the question is asked, who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do you, how do ye see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? And so as I uh, try to wrap this up here, we, we not only see the need for seniors, but we also see the need for seniors to speak up. How many of you remember what it was like? It's not just a question so they can just go like this. It's so that they can speak up and say how it used to be. I already preached that a bit. We're, we're going to press on. But I want to tell you this. Don't you hesitate to ever come to me and say, Pastor, I think we're going wrong here. I think we might want to think about this. I'm not going to be offended. Because I don't want to go astray. And, and you know I'm not the smartest guy on the, in the pulpit, amen. And so uh, I, I need help. Don't be afraid to speak up. Uh, And I'm I'm saying don't just speak up because it's wrong to you out of preference, but that it's wrong to you out of the Bible. Everybody catch that? It's not just speaking up, but it's speaking up with knowledge and wisdom from experience. Who saw this house in her first glory? And since you are the ones who experienced God in this place 70 years earlier, how does it look now compared to then? Is it not as nothing? Now, I want you to catch this. These are the aged. These are the ancient. We try to say it a little more politely. These are the senior saints. These are the seasoned saints. Understand, these are those who no longer have the strength of their youth. And in all reality, these are not those who are going to be doing the heavy lifting around the building of this temple. Isn't that right? Now, thank God for hydraulics today, but... Uh, You understand what I'm saying? 
These are those uh, who are tempted to say God's done with them. But according to this passage, there's still a work of God to do. They're going to be able to explain how great the temple used to be, which would motivate the next generation to strive for the same greatness. And, and, and what you need to do is you need to say to those younger than you how beautiful serving the Lord is. We need you to say where this went and where that goes. We need your guidance, your knowledge, your wisdom in the things of God. How is what we're doing today compared to what you saw in the past? I mean, that's a good question. Brother Lund, you're 80. What is it like in 2019 versus back there? You see what I'm saying? I, I can't even do math that far. What, what year? 1939. Live, uh, carrying doors down there yesterday, putting windows in doors. God bless you, brother. I love you. What was it like? Are, are we doing it right today? Because here's the temptation of the next generation. They want to come in and say, I know a better way to do it. Well, do you? It's got to be rooted in the Word of God. A next generation. I remember when the Lord or when churches were concerned about holiness. I remember when the house of God was respected. I've heard people tell me from years gone by about Brother Lund's age. I think it might have been Brother Wells who said this. I remember when I was a kid and you would walk across the church parking lot, not even a member, and you'd take off your hat. When the house of God was respected. You with me? People who, who remember those things. I remember when the preacher was respected. I had to throw that one in there, Amen. I remember when we had meetings that would go on for weeks at a time because God was moving. And if God wasn't moving, we still kept the meeting going. We still fasted and prayed until we saw God move in that thing. Now, let, let, let me try to help you. Where you have to be careful is you don't talk about the great things of the past like they can never be again. All that does is demotivate. Then what's the point? but rather encourage the generations after you to keep striving for holiness, to keep lifting high the bloodstained banner, to keep preaching this King James Bible, to keep preaching against sin, keep singing the right kind of music, keep the prayer meeting that we have. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Give it all you got. That's what we need you to say. It was hard in our day, and it's going to be hard in your day, but you can still do great things for God. If you'll just honor Him and love Him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. I think for the most part, things are opposite today compared to our text. The temple that Solomon built was magnificent in splendor. I mean, it was a sight to behold. In fact, it wasn't until the queen, when the Queen of Sheba showed up, when she saw the house of the Lord, then we read, the half hasn't even been told. I mean, it was a sight. But this generation in our text 
they did not have the same resources. And in comparison, the temple in which they were laboring to build was not going to rival Solomon's temple. They didn't have the resources. And, and, and not really until Herod the Great came in, who was known for his great colossal building projects, not until he came in did the temple really turn into something else again. And, and, and so the question is asked, is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? And, and when, when this is said, it's not meant to discourage, but it's meant to encourage them to just press on. It means little is much when God is in it. It's a charge to go forward and get the work done. Zechariah, who's the contemporary of Haggai, it's the next book you'll read as you read straight through your Bible. And really, even if you did it on a chronological schedule, because it's right here with what's going on. Zechariah 4, 9, and 10 The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house, and his hands shall also finish it. And thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts has sent me unto you. Listen, for who hath despised the day of small things? For they shall rejoice and shall see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel with those seven. They are the eyes of the Lord which run to and fro throughout the whole earth. And I want to just tell you as as, as I try to wrap this up, most works of God will start very small. But don't despise humble beginnings. Isn't that right? Jesus started out with only 12. That 12 in three and a half years would grow to about 120 faithful. And from that group, they would turn the world upside down. This generation didn't have the same resources, but they're still going to get the job done. And and where I was going with this, I, I think that this is largely opposite from today. Most today have greater resources than the previous two generations and maybe the previous two generations combined. We have a lot of resources in our day. But listen, we're not doing the same job that they were doing back then. Where are the great independent Baptist churches of yesteryear? Almost all of them, I can start naming them off in the thousands and now in the 100s. Oh, they got more resources, but they're not getting the job done. But listen, they didn't have fancier buildings. They didn't have as much money, but thousands were being saved. It seems now we have the fancy buildings. We have greater sums of money, but less are being saved. Has God changed? Or has the hearts of God's people changed? Let me say again to our seniors, God is not done with you. If he was, you wouldn't be here. There's still a work for you to do. I could show you Sister Cowden's prayer journal. Pictures of our family in there. Probably pictures of some of you. This is how I pray every day. Who is left among us that saw the former moves of God in all of His glory? Seniors, how do you see it now? How do you see what's happening today? How does it compare? And for those who are not senior saints in here, think on these things and decide now how you're going to be if God lets you live that long. Are you going to finish strong? People remember better how we finished than how we started.
I can't remember back 80 years. But you need to determine that if the Lord tarries, you'll be one of the faithful old-timers in our church in 2059. Still in the house of God. Despite all the ailments. Despite all the obstacles. Still telling sinners about Christ. Still encouraging the generations to come to stay in the fight and to finish their course with joy. Seniors, I love you. I want a church full of you. I'm glad our deacon board is older than me. I mean that. The average age of our deacon board is 117. There's wisdom in that. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we love you this morning. Thank you for the word of God. And just this this thought that just jumped off the page at me this week as I was preparing. And who is there left among us who saw the days of yesteryear? How is it in comparison now? Lord, I pray that you would just help our senior saints, that you would bless them with strength, Give them the grace that they need. Every one of them in here today are facing some serious challenges. And yet they're faithful. And what an encouragement that is to all of us. God, would you continue to bless them? Would you let them know that your grace is sufficient? And would you let them know that you are not done with them? There's still the place of prayer. There's a secret place of prayer where saints can get together and cry out for God to bring revival to this generation. And I believe that's why we will lose the next generation if we don't see a move of God today. And so may our seniors get under a burden to just pray. To pray. To earnestly pray. So God, I pray you'd help our church. Thank you for what you're doing here. And I pray now as we go into the morning service, you would bless, anoint the preaching with power, help the choir to sing and magnify your name, help every singer to be prepared, have their heart right. Lord, as you bring folks in, if there's any that are lost, I pray, God, they'd be saved. Encourage the believer. Pray that you'd recapture the backslider. I ask you for Christ's sake. Amen.